week five of a new beginnings. Yeah, I still love the video. The, all the new beginnings we see in that video. And think about the new beginnings we've had in our own life. And, and I love how it starts out with that little baby just chuckling. There's nothing like the sound of a baby laughing. It just really just does something to you. It fills you with that emotion. And no matter what they're laughing at, you got no choice but to be happy. Because it's such a great moment to see a little baby just smiling and laughing. And, and, and if you've been with us, you know, five weeks here in this series, you know, this is the final week. And we've touched on a lot of different things throughout this series. And and my hope and my prayer is that through this series of uh, new beginnings, that you've started some things new also. You know, we started this series out, we started about having a new heart, a heart that listens to God and that's connected with him. And my prayer is that each of us would have this new heart. And as we move forward, that, that our heart would be listening to what God has to say to us and that we would remain connected to him. We then looked at the story of Joshua and we saw how God's word spoke over him and it spoke of a purpose. It spoke of a promise and it spoke of God's presence going to be with Joshua. And it allowed Joshua to have that courage and not to fear as he went into the promised land. Well, them same promises are for us today. We, we know that God is here with us. His presence is with us. We, we know that he's got a purpose for our life. So we need to be bold and we need to not fear and be courageous and move forward with what God has called us to do and create that new mind in us. In week three, we talked about a new focus. We talked about prayer, how we're able to go to our heavenly father, that good, good father that we have. And we can bring anything to him. And even though he already knows it, he still wants to have those conversations. Just like you think about it as, as an adult, when my kids were growing up, I already kind of knew what they did, but I still want them to come and tell me. Well, understand, that's what God looks for for us. He wants us to come to him in everything. And then last week, we talked about new friendships. We, we talked about getting involved in life groups or, or just different things and creating new friends as we go through this year. And I want to encourage you, if you missed any of these messages and you want to see them again, they are all available on our website. If you just go to our website and then go to the little thing that says watch, you can actually go back and watch these old messages. Or if you missed a week, go back and check it out. Or, hey, you know what? I really need to go back and what did pastor say about a new heart? Well, what did he say? And go back and take some time to dig in and, and look back at it. And, and the other thing I want to encourage you is on Wednesday nights, we've been digging deeper into the weekend message. So we take the message that's today, and on Wednesday, we dig a little deeper into it on how we can apply it more into our life. So if you haven't been coming to Wednesday night, I encourage you right here in the house, Wednesday night, 7 p.m., we take time to pray for our prayer list but then we dig deeper into the weekend message and find more ways that we can apply it into our lives. So now this week, we're actually going to be talking about a new vision. Because God has a vision for each one of us. He's got a vision for each one of our lives. He's got a vision for the church and, and what he wants the church to be able to do. 
But I think the problem is a lot of times we don't listen to what God's calling us to do. We don't listen to his vision or we think, oh, that's really not from God. Well, as we look today, we're going to be digging into a story that a lot of us would probably be like, I ain't going to do it, God. That ain't for me. But, but we're going to see that when God gives a vision, we're required to be obedient with it. You know, think about it. All of us dream about a better tomorrow, right? We all want tomorrow to be better than today. And we want today to be better than yesterday. And some of us were really good at dreaming and daydreaming, especially like in school during math class. You know, you could... But even in life today, how many of us still sit there and there's times you just dream about your future? You dream about all these things that are going to happen. You know, for, for some of us, we may be dreaming about watching our grandkids grow up. For others, it may be dreaming about having a child someday. For some of us, the dream may be, man, I can't wait to get out the house. <laughs> you know, but all of us have different dreams. But ultimately, all of us want tomorrow to be better than today. We definitely want a better tomorrow. And because we don't want to stay where we're at. And understand that we have been given a vision. And even back in Ephesians 2.10, it tells us we've been given this vision a long time ago. It says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So he's got something for us to do. He's got a plan. He's got a vision for our life. And, and, but we need to be able to walk in that reality. Walk in that reality of what God wants us to do in our life. And hopefully by the end of today, you'll have some practical app and understanding of what God's vision may be for you. And we're going to be in the book of Acts, uh, Acts chapter 9. Now, now the, most of the, the beginning of the story and a lot of the story evolves around Saul. And of course, we know Saul became the apostle Paul. So as I'm reading, if I say Saul or Paul, you're going to know who I'm talking about. But there's someone else in this story that has to make a big decision. And, and in this decision, we're going to see that when God gives us a vision, there's certain things that sometimes don't make sense but we still need to go through it and do what we're called to do. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open it up to Acts chapter 9. We're going to do verses 1 through 22, but I'm going to start out, I'm only going to read verses 1 through 9, and then we'll dig into the other ones as we go on. And real quick, if you joined us for church online, I want to just say thank you. Hey, let's give it up for those church online. Woohoo! Hey, thank you for joining us today, and as I always say, just a reminder, as happy as we are that you're here with us, don't let this replace you being connected to a local church where, where you can work on your relationship with Jesus and others. And I say that because I know some of you who join us for church online don't live in this area. You know, so I just want to encourage you. We're glad you're here, but make sure you stay connected to a local church someplace. Um, and if you're in the area, make it us. You know, and we appreciate you being here. And thanks again for joining us. And with that being said, let's dig into God's word. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 9. Now Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any man or woman who belonged to the way, 
he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he traveled and was near in Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul said. I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting, he replied. But get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless hearing the sound, but seeing no one, Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they took him by the hand and led him into Damascus. He was unable to see for three days and did not eat or drink. Heavenly Father, as we dig into your word today, Lord, we just ask that you open up our eyes so we may see what it is you want us to see. Open our ears that we may hear your voice. And Lord, may your name be glorified through it all as we make this prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you're not familiar with Saul in the New Testament, Saul was a very zealous Jewish believer. And I mean very zealous. He followed the law to a T. This is what the law called for. This is what you have to do. He even followed the traditions of Judaism to the T. There, there was no gray area. It was, this is what you do or you get punished. I mean, it was very, here it is. Then he was very zealous on, this is what people have to do. This is what you got to follow. And this is the only white, right way to do your life. And, and it was, he was so zealous about it that he actually moved up in, G, in Jewish leadership. You know, and, and what we see here is, uh, Saul's younger years, shortly after um, Jesus rode from the dead, he's, and people were telling, giving the message of what they called the way or the message of Jesus. Saul was all about stopping them and persecuting them. And, and even back in Acts chapter 7, in Acts chapter 7, we saw the stone of Stephen. Stephen was one of the disciples, and he was out telling the Jews about Jesus being the Messiah. And the Jews got up and they grabbed stones and they ended up stoning Stephen to death. And in Acts chapter 8, it actually says this in verse 1. Saul was one of the witnesses and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. It went on in verse 3 to say, But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. So that's kind of Saul's history. Wasn't really a nice guy, was he? As a Christ follower, someone new to what they called the way, you wouldn't want anything to do with Saul, would you? If you heard Saul was coming, you'd be running. You'd be moving in another direction. You'd be trying to get away. And what we see here is, and what we're going to see is, when God gives you a vision, visions don't always make sense or feel safe. A vision doesn't always make sense or feel safe. And there's going to be times that God's going to ask you to do something that really don't make sense. It don't make sense and it may be a little risky. It could be as simply as being kind to your boss. And you're like, Pastor, you don't know my boss. You don't know my boss, Pastor. Really? Wow. The secretary of the church, yeah. Well, thank you. I'll see you at work tomorrow. 
<laughs> okay, at least we have fun. So, <laughs> so you may be like, Pastor, you don't know my boss. My boss is mean. He treats people bad. He, he, he says words you shouldn't be saying. You, all of this stuff. I, I can't treat him nice. Jesus says to love your enemy. So if Jesus says to love your enemy and, and I don't have a good boss, I, I, I guess I got to do what Jesus calls me to do. For the teens in the place, God's word says to obey your parents. Mm-hmm. Obey your parents. And it may not seem right at the time of, well, they're just wrong, pastor. You don't understand. They're wiser than what you think. And reminder, you, we're called to honor your, honor your parents, honor your mother and your father. And it may not always be easy to do. You know, sometimes even as adults, us honoring our parents when we become adults, it kind of gets hard sometimes. But it is what we're called to do, and there's a blessing that comes with it. You know, and understand that it may not always make sense. It may not always feel safe with what God calls you to do. And sometimes he may call you to take a risk. He may call you to do something that just doesn't make sense. But we still need to be obedient to what he calls us to do. And every one of us at some time in our life has probably had God tell us to do something. You're like, really, God? Are you sure? Are you sure you want me to do this? I mean, and you go throughout the Bible, many people who God used started with excuses. They start, well, Lord, I can't speak. Well, Lord, I can't do this. I can't, I, and, and we do the same thing in our own life. We get so caught up with, Lord, I, I can't do this. But understand when he calls you to do it, it may be a little risky and it may not make sense to you, but his plan is bigger than ours. And we got to be obedient. We take them steps and we continue to move forward with it. And this is exactly what we see happen here. Because in the next verses here, verses 10 through 16, it actually says this. There was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias... Here I am, Lord, he replied. Get up and go to the street called Straight, the Lord said to him, to the house of Judas and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. Since he is praying there, in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and placing his hands on him so that he may regain his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many people uh, I have heard from many people about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has the authority here from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to the Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. I will show him how much he must suffer in my name. You think Ananias feels safe? Do you think this really makes sense to Ananias? I'm thinking, really? God, is this really you? Did you really call me to do this? And the thing we got to understand is not always about does it make sense. It's not always about is it safe. What it is ultimately about is 
Is it God? Is it God who gave you this vision? Is it God who told you to go do this? Because that makes all the difference in the world. Because if God tells you to do it and he gives you, this is what I want you to go do, we know he's going to be there with us. He's going to protect us. And he's already got the, it figured out. But what happens is a lot of times we get in the way. Our, you know, our own self. You know, we may say, well, this is what I want to do in life. And then, well, but God came to me in a dream and told me this. And the one thing we all should understand by now is if you're struggling with trying to do what you think God told you to do, it's probably not from God, it's probably from yourself. And even, even though what he does, it may not make sense and it may feel risky, if it's from him, we need to step out in that boldness and do it and understand that he's got it under control. But when we try and do it on our own strength, we would generally fail and then not understand why. So we need to be honest and ask that question. Is it God? Is it God who gave me this vision? Is it God who's telling me to do this? Because understand, there's times that God may surprise you with what he tells you to do. He may totally shock you with what you're going to do, and it may shake your logic. It may stir up fear inside of you. But if you can sit there and say, it is from God, do it. Take them steps of obedience and do it. You know, and it may, you know, just shake the ground. It may cause you to confess something. It may cause you to serve, to let go, to believe. It may, hey, God's telling you to give, to volunteer. Any other verb you can come up with that God's calling you to do. But it's taking those steps to do it. You know, one of the things that we hear, oh, well, I can't give because I don't have enough. Well, it's okay. God's not worried about your wallet. He's worried about your obedience. Be obedient to what God calls you to do. But, but I, I, I can't go forgive that person. If God's calling you to do it, go do it. It's going to release you that burden from you. Because basically that unforgiveness allows you to be caught in a prison and you've put yourself behind a cage because of your own unforgiveness for somebody else. And meanwhile, they hold the key. Give that unforgiveness, break them chains, and continue to move forward. And understand that if you need to go ask for forgiveness, don't expect them to say, oh, well, please forgive me. It's generally very one-sided. Take it, move forward, and go. You know, and so you got to ask yourself, what's God putting in front of you? Has God put a vision in front of you for today, for maybe this week, this month, or this year? Has he put something, has something been long, you know, I need to do this. Maybe it's change jobs. Maybe it's do something different in your life. Maybe it's, who knows? The question is, is it from God and are you doing it? The are you doing it becomes even bigger because the fact that a lot of times what we don't do is we won't take that step. We won't take those next steps. And, and because this doesn't make sense, it doesn't feel safe, we never get to the next step. That vision is made complete by obedience. Vision is made complete by obedience. I had a pastor that once used to say, a slow obey is a no obey. 
which made a whole lot of sense. A slow obey is a no obey. And, and I think as we even look at this story and, and you talk about obedience, there's something that happens in verse 17 that the first time I read it, I was like, what? No way this could happen. There's a word in this, in this next verse that struck me that just don't make sense. And verse 17 says this. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ananias calls Saul, who's been persecuting his family and the family of God, brother. Does that make sense? He uses a family term for someone who's been basically beaten and put in a family in jail. And when I first read that, I was like, that can't be right. I got to, this must be a bad translation. And started looking at other verse, and I'm like, he actually does. He calls him brother. He uses this term of family. And, and I think what we can see is, you know, Ananias could have very easily been obedient and went and drilled Saul. Could have drilled him, put him under lamps and just, what are you really doing? Are you really a follower of Jesus now? He could have really done a lot to ask and instead he calls him brother. Brother Saul. Brother Saul. And it just really struck me funny, but that shows that obedience that Ananias had. He's taken this former persecutor of the family of God, and he just made him family. You're now family. I know what you were doing. I know what, what you planned on doing when you came here. But my God gave me a vision, and now, and now you're my family. Welcome to my messed up, jacked up family. He welcomes, in, welcomes in him in and is obedient to what God called him to be. And, and you see, God gave him a vision and he was completely obedient. Completely obedient to what God called him to do. He didn't go left, he didn't go right. He went and did what God called him to do. He took the vision and he went with it. And it just blows my mind. He didn't look at how high the stakes were. He didn't look at who it was. And you understand, a lot of times what we do is in order to trust someone and trust them, we need to trust their judgment. We need to trust who they are. We need to trust their character and who they are to the core. And I think, you know, when someone's judgment or character changes based on circumstances, it kind of hurts our trust for them. And I think sometimes it's the same way with God. Sometimes we don't trust God the way we should trust God. You know, maybe we've been hurt in the past or something didn't go right. Well, God, where were you? And, and he was there. We just didn't know he was there. And, and then our trust kind of goes away. So then when we get these visions and, you know, it may not make sense and it may seem like it's a little scary. And well, God, is that really you? because we don't have that trust in him. And I think we need to always remind ourselves how good our God is. That he is a loving and he's a caring God and he cares about us. 
and he's always there with us. When we don't feel God, it's because we have gently pushed him away. Because when we push him away, that presence isn't there. And at that time, that's when we're going to have those trust issues. That's when we're going to have them times of not being obedient. Because we're not going to, well, I don't know, God, you weren't there for me here, so I know you're not going to be for me here. But yet he wasn't here for you then because you kicked him to the curb. Because you said, God, I don't need you for this. It's that same thing. Is it from God or is it from you? Did the vision come from God or is it coming from you? And it's truly going to make a difference when you get back to the being obedient. Because if it was from you and it didn't work out, are you going to really be obedient when God tries to tell you to do something? Because remember, it is the, it is the, ah, wow. (laughs) Remember, it's the, it's the enemy who comes to steal and destroy. Jesus comes to give us life and life abundantly. So we need to remember that as we go through. And, and if these truths about God, that they should stir us up to obey him and do what he calls us to do. And I think that's where Ananias was. Ananias believed God. He believed God. He believed what he had to say. And I believe he, he, he was using that strong faith and it pushed him into action. Because one thing we got to remember is obedience without trust is only compliance. Obedience without trust is only compliance. And trust without obedience isn't real trust. Let me say that again. Obedience without trust is only compliance, and trust without obedience isn't real trust. But having a heart that trusts God's goodness and and acts on that trust, and we give him that obedience, that honors him. And ultimately, that's what we're here to do. We're here to honor him in everything that we do. So we need to take them steps. And remember, vision is made complete through our obedience. We've got to take the steps to move forward with it. And the final thing, vision returns more than it costs. Vision returns more than it costs. And and in these final verses, it goes on and says this. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues, saying, he is indeed the Son of God. All who heard him were astounded and said, isn't this the man in Jerusalem who was causing havoc for those who called on this name? and came here for the purpose of taking them as prisoners to the chief priests, Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. Saul became an amazing communicator for the gospel. And and we know this already. And in the very church that he tried to destroy, he is now building that church. It's an incredible story, isn't it? You think, you think about it, and it all started because Ananias stepped out in faith. He was given a vision that made no sense. It had risk involved to it. He was obedient, and he took that next step to do what God called him to do. He overcame his fear. He overbecame his belief that Saul wasn't a good person and that he wasn't 
you know, going to change or do all of this thing. He took a risk to trust and obey God. And man, did it pay off. It paid off because of his obedience. You think about it. Saul, who later becomes Paul, writes one third of the New Testament. Saul, who becomes Paul, gives us a lot of the theology that we have today. Impacts churches around the world. And I bet Ananias never thought that his trust and obedience would have such an impact in the world. It not only affected the Jews in Damascus, it not only affected them there, it's affected millions and millions of people since. What Ananias did then affected each one of you sitting in this church. What he did then affected us. And how many times do we read something like this and we just kind of, <coughs> we just kind of go past it? We miss it. This was a turning point in Christianity that was set in place for you and I. Because one person trusted and obeyed the vision that God gave him. What vision has God given you? What vision has God given you in the past that you blew off? That you didn't do, you didn't step forward. Well, God, that's a little crazy. God, you really want me to leave this job? Yes. Okay, God, I'm going to be obedient. God, do you really want me to do this? Yes, I really want you to do it. Okay, God, I'm going to be obedient. But we won't take those steps of obedience because we allow fear to get in the way. What is God calling you to do? What has he laid on your heart? What is God's vision? Maybe he's telling you to start something new. Maybe he's telling you it's time to stop what you've been doing. And in a lot of cases, it's probably stop what you've been doing more than start doing this. Or maybe it's, hey, you need to stop doing this and start doing this. All of us are given a vision from God. All of us are given something. And it could be something that can ultimately change the world, or it could just change today. It could just change your impact this afternoon. It may not make sense. It may be a little scary, but be obedient to what God's calling you to do. I think it's interesting. Listen to the testimony that Paul gives later in his life when he talks about his old life in 1 Timothy. He says, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Each one of us have rebelled against God because every one of us are sinners and we all fall short. But God still gave us grace. He still gave us grace for it. And, and think about this. For Ananias, this one small act of obedience, the impact it had on the kingdom. The impact it had on the kingdom of God. What are you not doing that's going to have impact on the kingdom of God? Well, what are you doing that's actually affecting the kingdom of God in a bad way? 
We need to take these steps of obedience. We need to look for that vision that God gives us and make a move. No more excuses, no more delays. As an individual, what's God calling you to do? And understand as an individual in the body of Christ, what you do and what you say affects the entire vision of the church. Because if we're all together and we're all family and it's not about these four walls, it's about the body of Christ, how are you affecting the body of Christ? Are you affecting it in a positive way and bringing more people into the kingdom? Or are you affecting it in a negative way, making people leave? Think about how you're affecting the kingdom of God. Think about the vision that God may have given you. And the first thing God may have given you is, Pastor, <clears throat> I don't know Jesus. And maybe you're sitting here wondering, well, I, I don't quite get it all, but something's telling me I need to take a step in faith. And maybe that step of faith, that first step is accepting Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And if you're waiting to get it together, look at, the, look at Saul. Saul definitely didn't have it together. Saul was going to persecute Christians and Jesus met him on the road right where he was at. He accepted Jesus and what was immediately baptized. So maybe the first thing you do is you need to accept Jesus because God's word says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Your next step is baptism. Never been baptized, come and see me. We'll schedule it. We'll fill up the, the baptistry and you can sit in service with wet hair. But take that next step. And maybe God's just, the Holy Spirit's been convicting you that, you know, I gave you this vision and you're not doing it. And it's time to take that step and do what God's called you to do. Make a better today to be a better tomorrow, to be a better next week. Affect change in your own life, in your family. Maybe it's affect change here in the church. Maybe it's to get more involved in the church and, you know, come up with other ways of doing outreach. Maybe, you know, get more involved in serving at the church. Helping out in the food pantry or helping out with the clothes closet or helping during a service time. Maybe it's talking to your next door neighbor about Jesus. Or maybe it's talking to your best friend or your brother or your sister. Not being odd for God. Just letting them know what God's done for you. Be obedient to whatever that call is. It may not make sense. It may be a little scary. But be obedient to the, God, to the call God has. You may be surprised at how it affects the kingdom of God. And all of us want to affect the kingdom of God in the right way. So if you haven't accepted Jesus, I encourage you during this final song, just come up front. I'll be off to the side. Or maybe you just need to come up here and ask God to show you how to be obedient to the vision that he's given you.
and take those steps of obedience for him. Heavenly Father, I raise up this congregation to you. Those here in the room and those who joined us for church online. Lord, I ask you to give them the boldness to take those steps and the visions that you have for them. Lord, even when it doesn't make sense and it's a little scary, that they'll make a move for you. A, no, a slow obey is a no obey, and obedience without faith is not obedience, Lord. May we be obedient to your call, and may we seek you in all that we do. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the loss for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give, um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church, and especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com, and on the very front page, you say, give my life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.